Yo, what up, y'all? How we doing tonight? All right. Hey, my name is Austin Payne. I'm stoked to be with you guys here this weekend. Um, I'm a youth pastor down in San Diego. I work with ninth and 10th graders. Uh, I want to show you my family first and foremost, because my, my baby girl is two and a half years old right now. I wish she was here with me this weekend, because you guys would, you would love this girl. Homegirl's got more energy. I know she looks all like sweet and innocent right there, which she is sweet, but she is far from innocent. Homegirl. And then this is my family right here. Okay, that's uh, my dog, Bandit, my beautiful wife, Paige, and then that's my baby girl, um, Piper. And then, y'all, my wife right now is 37 weeks pregnant with our second little girl. So if you want to pray, pray for something this weekend up in the balcony, if you want to pray for something this weekend, uh, pray that, that my little baby girl stays, stays inside my, my uh, page for like as long as possible because if you see me just sprint off this stage at any point, you know why, okay? And, and, and Harrison or Mikey will come up here and be like, anyways, uh, about the potter, okay? But if you, have a, uh, if you have a Bible with you, Okay, I know Mikey talked about this Bible. I know we, we opened up this concept a little bit. If you don't have a Bible with you, please take them up on the fact that they're going to have one in the back. Turn to Ephesians. Okay, your Bible's got an Old Testament and a New Testament. If you kind of start in the middle and start flipping to the right, eventually you'll find four guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. That word gospel means good news. If you keep turning to the right, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Hey, that big, bold number 4 is your chapter. That little number is your verse. We're going to be in verse 17 here in just a second, okay? Um, but I'm not from San Diego originally. I, I kind of bounced all around California. Uh, I was born up in the Bay Area, and so I'm a massive San Francisco Giants fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a huge Raiders fan. I know, I know, I know. I'm, uh, I, am, I am walking, talking proof that you can love Jesus and root for the Raiders, even after Derek Carr, okay? Even after Derek Carr. Shout out to all my Bakersfield friends, okay, in the house. Um, but... I, I left California when I was about seven years old. My family went down to a place called Quito, Ecuador, and I lived in South America for most of my life. So growing up, I'm the youngest of four siblings. Where am I youngest at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Up in the balcony. hey -o. okay? Being the youngest is absolutely the best. Hey, come at me. I just, I believe it's, it's the best position to be in the family. Um, but we had, we had lots of pets growing up. So when I was a kid, we had a dog named Seamus. He was a golden retriever. We had a cat named O'Malley. We had two, like, Amazon jungle parrots named Dumb and Dumber. Um, I kid you not. We had, we, had, like, we had a bunch of things. We had, like, little turtles. But there was one day, do you ever eavesdrop, like, when your parents are talking on the phone? And your parents, like, sometimes it's completely uninteresting. They're like, and then the taxes and this, and you're like, boring, right? But sometimes, like, every once in a while, your parents are talking about something, and you're like, you ever get your siblings? You ever run and get them? And you're like, yo. You gotta listen to this one. Okay, this, this happened to me once. I was, uh, I was about eight years old, and we had only been living in Ecuador for a little bit, and my siblings come and get me, and they're like, hey, 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 dad said the word monkey like one too many times on the phone. Something's gotta be going down. And so we all rush over, like right outside my dad's office, 
And my dad, he keeps like saying the word monkey. And we're like, what, what is happening here? And so my dad does one of these things. He like holds the phone like this. And then he goes, I have four siblings. We're all, we're all standing right there. He goes, hey, do y'all want a monkey? <laughs> and there's only one proper answer to that question as a child, right? You're like, yes, like no question about it. So here's what had happened. One of my dad's homies had gone down into the jungle, like legit Amazon jungle, and brought home this like pocket marmoset monkey. It was like this big with a tail twice as long as its body and a little white Fu Manchu mustache. He walked in his house with it and his wife went, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, out, out, no monkey in my house. My mom was traveling, okay? She was out of town. So when my dad went, do y'all want a monkey? Guess who he didn't consult with? My mom. Okay? And so we, he brings this thing home. We kicked Seamus, my dog, out of his dog crate. And we, we took like a couple sticks and leaves and put them in the dog crate to recreate what the monkey was used to, right? And we, we, we go, okay, this is, this is your home now. And we, we had this pet monkey. And here's the best part. We got together as siblings. And when, you know, when you're, when you're naming a pet, there's like a certain diplomatic process that happens. And we all settled on Chime. Which in a local tribal Ecuadorian language means monkey. <laughs> I know, I know. We're clever kids, okay? But I, I loved growing up down there. I lived there for 11 years. Um, I played uh, soccer and basketball and volleyball in high school. Then I went to Biola University. Um, I played soccer at Biola. Uh, loved going there. And then I bounced around California a little bit more. Lived up in a Tascadero area for a little bit. And then been in San Diego now for the last six years. But y'all, I'm, I'm pumped to be with you this weekend. I love Hume Lake Christian Camps. I love this place. I've been coming here my entire life. Um, I have made some important decisions in my life right here in this chapel. And tonight, I simply want to make two commitments to you that I want, I'm, I'm going to keep all weekend long, and then I'm going to ask that you make one commitment back to me, okay? So I'm going to make two commitments to you. You're going to make how many commitments to me? One. One, one okay? Just, that's it. I'm going to make two commitments to you. You're going to make one commitment to me. The first one is this. All weekend long, all weekend long, we're going to be talking out of this book. So when I stand up here on stage, this isn't my thoughts. This isn't like Austin Payne's philosophy on life. This isn't my ideology of like, hey, here's some, some best practices when it comes to living this life. All weekend long, I believe wholeheartedly that the God of the universe has spoken to us, has revealed himself to us through scripture. And whether like you are the OG church kid that has, you go to all the camps, you go to all the youth groups, like you sign up for all the retreats, like you know church through and through. Or maybe somebody invited you and this is like your first exposure to anything with God and you're like, I don't even know about this God character. And I came up here and there's all these lights and then there was a video and people stood up and sang and maybe you have no experience with this God. Hey, either, either way, on either end of that spectrum, I want you this weekend to hear and understand that there is a God and that he wants to meet with you, that he has a purpose this weekend, that he is a relational God that desires that you draw near this weekend. But all weekend, we're going to be talking out of this book because I believe that this is the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. And sometimes, sometimes I think if, if you've been around this before, or maybe if you haven't been around it before and you just, you've seen some TikTok videos that are like, ah, the Bible's like the 2,000-year-old text, it contradicts itself, like, why are people still reading this? Friends, do you know that this book is 66 different books 
written by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages over a time span of 2,000 years that tells one single story. Do you know how bananas that is? Right, like if I was just to start right down here, um, what's your name right here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abby, what's your name? Abby. And then my friend in the back left corner of the balcony, what's your name, homie? JJ. JJ? JJ, do you have a Dodgers hat on? Okay, 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 okay. Abby, Abby, if I were to come over here, Abby, and I were, I, let's just say I like, I told you a sentence, right? Y'all played the game telephone before, right? And I was like, um, elephants paint their toenails pink. I don't know, okay? And I whispered that to you, and you whispered it down your whole row, and then it snaked back to this row, and then snaked back to this row, and it eventually made it all the way up to my unfortunate Dodgers fan, JJ, up there, okay? And it made it all the way up to you. JJ, the chances, the odds, in just like the time span, like what do you think that would take? Like an hour and a half for everybody to whisper a sentence? I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys are like geniuses and it takes like 45 minutes. And we get all the way up there, there's, there's no shot in 45 minutes starting right here that JJ looks at me and is like, Austin, what you said was elephants paint their toenails pink. Like there's no way. And sometimes I think we look at this Bible and we go, Okay, 2,000 years from start to finish. And it's not that they were just like passing down the same story, but over the, over the, the span of 2,000 years, 40 different people on three different continents in three different languages, the fact that they would tell one single story is bananas. And so the reason I go, hey, my first commitment to you is that we're going to be opening up this book and we're going to dive into this book is because over the last 2,000 years, since this book was finished and put together, this book has stood the test of time, and there's a God behind this book that chooses to reveal himself to us, so we're going to dive into it all weekend. That's my first commitment to you, okay? My second commitment is that I'm going to treat you like adults this weekend, okay? And here's why. Here's why. Whether you're in sixth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade, and you're sitting in this room, I believe wholeheartedly that you're ready for this weekend, that you can handle it. Hey, I get to, to speak at a variety of different camps, and then I work at a church down in San Diego, and I get to work with a lot of students. And I think most of the world would look at me and go, whoa, wait, you're going up to a camp, and you're talking to a couple of hundred sixth, seventh, and eighth graders? Like, why? They're just going to be squirrely, and they're going to mess around, and they're going to, like, elbow the person next to them, and they're just going to be, like, doodling the whole time. Like, there's no chance they listen to you. And, and friend, can I, just, can I just talk to you for one second? I've seen it over and over and over again where sixth graders, seventh graders, and eighth graders lean in. And I think you're ready for it. And I'm not going to dumb it down. I'm not going to go like, oh, listen, boys and girls, there's a God. And let me show you on this flannel graph right here. And actually, underneath your chairs, there's something we're going to color together, okay? I'm not going to do that. All weekend long, okay? Some of you are like, coloring? I love coloring, right? Okay, sorry, sorry to disappoint you. Sorry to disappoint you, okay? All weekend long. All weekend long, my commitment to you is that as I open up God's word, I commit to you that when we dive into this book, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak truth to you. Because I think you're ready for it. I think you can handle it. And when you go into your cabin time, I think you're ready for it, and I think you can handle it. That as your counselors ask you questions and want to process life with you and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with you this weekend, 
I think you're ready for it, and I think you can handle it. Okay, and here's my one commitment that I ask back from you. Okay, so my two commitments, I'm going to talk to you from God's word, number one. Two, I'm going to treat you like adults. The one commitment I ask back from you is that when you come into this room, when you're here in chapel, that this would be a place that you lean in. Hey, if you feel like you're tired, don't, don't slump back in your chair and just go, oh, that's nice. Right? If you're tired, sit up. Right? Lean forward. Lean in. Hey, if you know there's somebody that you came to this camp with that like, when you two sit together, you get those like, quiet church laughs. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, like something's way funnier when you're not allowed to laugh. You know what I mean, right? Like you're in class and somebody says something that like in any other scenario wouldn't be that funny, but because you're in class or you're in church and you can't laugh, you're sitting there and you're like, (coughs) right? If you know you have that friend with you here at camp, don't sit next to him. Hey, for the entirety of the time that you're here in chapel, the one commitment I ask, friend, the one thing that I ask from you is that during chapel time that you would just lean in. That this would be a place where you and I, that we can have a conversation, that we can open up God's word, and that you would lean in this weekend. You ready? All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Hey, if you're there, give me a nice, loud preach. Preach. Weak sauce, weak sauce. You're better than that, okay? If you're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, give me a nice, loud preach. Preach. Hey, that's what's up, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says this. So I tell you this. Hey, pause real quick. Right there. Look up at me. Look up at me. Hey? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. When it says, so I tell you this. This is a guy named Paul writing. Okay? And we're going to talk a little bit more about him this weekend. But Paul is a guy who had his entire life transformed by the person of Jesus. When he met Jesus, everything changed about his life. It wasn't that he just like sprinkled a little bit of Jesus in. It wasn't that he just like went to church once a week. When he met Jesus, everything changed. And he writes this letter to the church of Ephesus from jail. He's sitting in a jail cell writing a letter to a church that he once was a part of. And he's writing back to them and he says these words. He says, so I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Pause right there. Okay, look up at me. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live. Pause. Okay, can can I be honest with you? Like, I know we just met. I know we're just getting this whole thing started, but can I, can I just be real with you? When I read something like this, when I was in junior high, when I was in high school, growing up in the church, growing up going to camps like this, when I heard verses like this, I insist this is what you're supposed to do, this is how you're supposed to do it. Junior high, high school, and honestly, some young adult, Austin, looked at this and went, classic. Because here's what I heard when it came to the Bible. Here's what I heard when it came to church. See, I grew up playing sports, I grew up in locker rooms, and, and I, when I looked around me, I felt like to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, it, it was kind of this boring life where there was a bunch of verses like this that insisted on things. There was all these rules, all these regulations. And to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus was kind of this boring life, but you got heaven at the end. 
And, and I knew that there were two realities at the end of life, and it was either heaven or it was a place that I heard about that was hell, and it seemed a lot worse than heaven. And so in my mind, in my opinion, it was like I either live a boring life now and get heaven at the end, or I live a fun life now, and I would look around the people in my life that weren't following Jesus, that didn't listen to the Bible, that weren't really a part of church, or if they were, they weren't living it out. And I went, man, they seem to be having a whole lot more fun, but they, they can live this fun life now but they're not going to heaven at the end of it. And I would read a verse like this that would say, Paul going, I insist in the Lord that you no longer live like they do. That you, you have to do these new things. And I would go, classic. Here's another verse about a God that says do and don't and rules and regulations. And I guess I got to live this boring life now so I can get heaven at the end. And friend, can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. What I missed in junior high, what I missed in high school was the God behind this. See, the, the Bible is not a story. It's not a book about what we have to do to get to God. The reason I said this is the greatest story that's ever told, that's hardly ever told in its entirety, is this isn't a book about what we have to do to get to God. This is the greatest story ever told about what God has done to get to us. See, in that video, um, y'all know the video that you watched up here on the screens of that potter? Has anybody ever tried to throw, throw pottery? Is that what it's called? Or like throwing clay? Anybody ever tried to do that? Okay, I'm like the least artistic person in the world, like played sports, and I somehow landed in like art five my senior year of high, high school. Like, I don't know what happened to art one, two, three, and four, but, but like my school counselor set me up in this class, and we had to throw pottery, and the only thing I could ever do was like the wheel would get spinning, and I would like put a little bit of pressure on it, and then what would happen next? That thing would be like splat on the wall, right? And I'd be like, art, right? It's creative. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. But when you watch that video, it's incredible, right? But what I love about that video is what they're trying to portray is, is actually a, a, a verse in the Bible, See, in, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, it, it says that he, God, right, this, this same Lord that Paul is insisting that we live after, that God is the potter. And it says he is designer, he is maker, he is creator, and we are the clay. Isaiah 64 gives us this very clear image of the same thing that Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says. See, Genesis chapter 1 says, when God created the world, when he spoke into existence the, thing, the things around us, as you were driving up, how many of you drove up the mountain today in, in like a bus or a van or a shuttle or that should be pretty much everyone. Somebody's like, I walked. I walked up here, right? Okay, so when you drove up and you, you turn these corners and you look out at this incredible view of mountains and trees and canyon, right? Do you know that the Bible says that when God spoke, that creation itself listened? That the God of the Bible, when he said, let there be light, light actually came into existence. When he said, tree, you go there, a tree grew. But the Bible says that you and I were his most magnificent creation. And he, he made us in his image. And male and female, he made us as image bearers. And Isaiah 64 is going to say that he is the potter and that we are the clay. See, my, my daughter Piper, um, she's been doing a lot of like art lately. We set up this little like corner in our house where she has her own little toy kitchen, and she invites me over for dinner all the time. It's really nice of her. And she's like, here, you know, no joke, this happened to me last week, okay? This, I'll give you a little... 
view into the confidence that my daughter has. Okay, so she, uh, she invites me over for dinner, and I go and I sit down on this like teensy tiny chair that's like way too small for me, right? And I'm like sitting down in this chair, and she brings me like a little toy steak, and then she brings me a toy banana. And she grabs her finger, and she runs it on the banana, and she goes like pew, pew, pew. And I'm like, oh, did you peel the banana for me? And she looks at me, and she goes, Dada, only apples need peeling. Bananas don't need peeling. <laughs> and I looked, back, I looked back at my daughter, Piper, and I said, Piper, I love your confidence. And she looked back at me and said, I like your sweatshirt. I kid you not, okay? This is my daughter. I go, I love your confidence. I like your sweatshirt. I'm like, wow, okay. I immediately called my parents afterwards and was like, I get it now. I understand what you dealt with, right, all these years. Like, I just, I love this little girl. But she'll come up to me and she'll be like, Dada, will you come draw with me? And we'll go over and we'll sit at this tiny little table and we'll take crayons and we'll draw and, and we'll, we'll color in these, these Mickey Mouse and these goofy sheets. But sometimes she'll take like a blank piece of paper and she'll just start drawing. And she'll hand it to me, and I, I kind of try to guess what it is sometimes, and I'll be like, oh, like, look at this. I'm like, is this a draft? And she's like, no, it's you, Dada. And I'm like, oh, same thing, right? Like, I, okay, that makes sense. Like, I get it. Right? And I'll be like, Piper, is it this? And she'll confidently tell me, no, it's, it's this, Dada. Is, it, is, is, this, is this mama? Is this bandit? No, it's this. And, and, and when it comes to her drawings... Who gets to determine what is the drawing? Me as the, as the viewer of the drawing or her as the creator? Her, right? She gets to say, this is a giraffe. She gets to say, this is a sunset. She gets to say, this is the moon. Why? Because she's the artist. And I love that the Bible portrays God as this artist, as this maker. And so when it comes to you, when it comes to me, a lot of the times, even at a place like this, we can come up to a mountain and we can remove the distractions of social media and school and family. We just come up to a mountain and yet still we look around us and we hear all of these things that are trying to define who we are. And this week, all weekend long, I want to open up God's word and I want us to ask the question, who is this God character that has the power to speak into existence things like that canyon that we drove up past? He has the power to make people like you and like me individually, creatively. But friend, did you know that you were made on purpose and for a purpose? That Genesis 1.27 says that we were made in his image. And then we read in places like 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is actually freedom. And that we were made to reflect his glory that you were made on purpose and you were made for a purpose, that the God who always has been, the God that always will be, the God that is outside of space and time, that he desires relationship with you and he knows you intimately. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he said, this weekend I want to meet with you. And again, friend, whether you've been around church forever and you open up the Bible and you go, I've heard it, I've seen it, uh-huh, for sure, I know church, God wants to speak to you this weekend. He wants to teach you something this weekend. He wants to reveal something about himself this weekend. And, and friend, if you're sitting here and you, you're still not sure about this whole thing, you have questions about this, my challenge to you is just lean in. If there is a God and if he made you on purpose, what if he wants to reveal something about himself this weekend? What if he wants to show up? What if he wants to teach you? If there's a God that knows everything, 
everything about you and still desires to enter in and say, I love you. I'm for you. I know you and I choose you. I am the maker. I am the designer. You are the clay. I made you on purpose and for a purpose. Would this be a weekend where we just lean in and go, all right, Lord, I'm here for it. I want to learn. I want to hear from you. Would you do this with me? Hey, would you just put your hands out in front of you like this? There's nothing magical about this. Hey, there's, there, there's no, like, this doesn't make you, like, super spiritual, but I just want to pray something with you. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody and they're looking you in the eye and their shoulders are squared off to you, it's, you, know, you know they're listening to you, right? But have you ever had a conversation with somebody before where they're like on their phone and they're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yep. And you're like, hello. Wait, do you ever feel like not listened to? Has that ever happened to you? Hey, our, our posture actually matters. Right? Like our physical posture and conversation matters. And prayer is simply having a conversation with the person who loves you the most. That's all prayer is. It's, it's not these and thous. There's nothing like magical about this. But when we put our hands out in front of us, I, I believe wholeheartedly that it just, it opens up our posture to go, okay, God, I'm here for it. I want to learn. So would you just, if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to put your hands out in front of you and, and just pray this with me. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you this weekend that we can come up here and that we can hear from you. Would this be a weekend, God, that, that we have a lot of fun, that we get to enjoy your creation, God, but even more than that, would this be a weekend where we just hear from you, that we walk away from this knowing you a little bit more. I'll be read tonight that you are the potter, that we are the clay, that you as the artist get to define who I am. God, would this be a weekend where, where we just meet with you and we, we understand and we walk away from here knowing more about our purpose, why we were made, what we're here for. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.